This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. His name is Joe Hine. He's a partner at SI Partners. They are an M&A advisor and growth consultancy to creative and technology businesses. They were involved in the sale of Market Gravity to Deloitte, the sale of Velocity Partners stake to Next15, and the sale of Tech Marihandra's majority stake to MadPow, just to name a few of their deals. This was just such a tour de force conversation with someone who's been at the coal face of some of the most important M&A deals in media of the last, I want to say, 15 years. We discuss everything from why M&A is so hot right now, the factors that are driving it, the key players that agencies should be aware of, everyone from PE buyers, private equity buyers to the consultancies, Accenture is just buying everyone right now. Um, but you've also got Deloitte, Bain, McKinsey, etc. You've got the enterprise software players like Salesforce and Amazon and Asian buyers who I was surprised to hear are actually really quite active in, in M&A right now. They've got really deep pockets. They've got longer time horizons than your typical acquirer. And it really poses an interesting alternative to founders that are looking to to sell one day. If you are remotely interested in how to prepare your agency for sale one day, when to start planning for that and what a typical sale process looks like, then strap yourself in, get a cup of coffee and enjoy the fascinating conversation. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Joe Hine. Joe Hine is a partner at SI Partners. He provides M&A advice on high-value cross-border deals. He's worked on over 50 transactions throughout his career. He manages the sale process end-to-end, including buyer identification, offer negotiation, and completion. His M&A work includes the sale of What If to Accenture, the sale of Friday to PA Consulting, and the sale of Market Gravity to Deloitte, to name a few. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Joe Hine, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you, Nathan. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I've been looking forward to speaking to you for some time, actually, because you've got really quite a fascinating background. You've worked for EE, Virgin Media, and Rank Interactive. But your first job out of university was with PwC. You were with them for about seven years doing... Uh, commercial due diligence, post-merger integration, and financial due diligence as well. It seems as though you always had the plan to be in M&A from the beginning of your career. Uh, I, I think of it as with all these things, it's uh, it, it's part plan and, and, and part luck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting off in an organization like PwC is always going to give you a great amount of, of opportunity. Um, but I, I definitely warmed to the, the M&A environment uh, very, very quickly. I was very fortunate to be doing it in the early 2000s, which mm-hmm. uh, was a real time of uh, excitement and uh, a lot of activity in the, M&A, in the M&A market. But I was just very drawn to the complexity um, that M&A has and, and you know, the kind of different requirements and different skill sets it needs and, and, and the potential impact that you can have. And I think that's, that's the thing that I really carry forward into the career, my career and, and kind of what I do now is, mm. you know, working on M&A is, is an absolute privilege, uh, particularly working with, with founders of businesses or entrepreneurs, uh, you know, to be entrusted with their life's work mm-hmm. in, in, in some cases is, is just an absolute, an absolute honor. Um, and, you know, uh, you, you really feel the weight of that and, and really want to deliver um, and, and get a great result for, for people that you work with. Mm. It, it's quite a specific area to uh, to start your career in. Did you know much about it before you, you know, at university, before you started with PwC? Because it seems from your CV that it's very commercially focused, sort of sales and, and, and commercial. It really sort of um, comes through in your CV. How much about the world of M&A did you know prior to joining PwC? I, Nathan, I'd love to have a, uh, a a perfect answer for you. But if I'm completely honest, I mm. got invited to a, a, an evening where there was told I was told there's free beer, free beer and, and free food. And at the end of it, I got given an application form. Right. Uh, and I thought, these guys are quite interesting. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's got to be something here. Right. And, uh, I knew a lot of people who had sort of progressed on this route at that time. Mm. And 
you know, I, I guess you sometimes it's like with most things, it's half half head and half heart. And mm-hmm. I thought actually, I'm I'm going to jump in here and just and see what happens. And uh, and it's turned out pretty well for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty pleased. Fast forward a couple of years, and then you were at Virgin Media for two years in 2009. Mm. What what was that experience like? Uh, working for a Virgin business is 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 again it, it's just absolutely fantastic. It's you know I, I was fortunate enough to go in through the mobile side of the business rather than the media side, and the mobile side is is you know one of the the original sure. Virgin, a, a Branson business, and sure. and it and you can really feel it as you go in. Mm-hmm. I mean what what Richard does with the culture and the ethos of, of the businesses. Um, you know, it, he really manages to create sort of almost like a corporations, which, which feel phenomenally entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and the way he sets up his businesses and, you know, he, they're just so commercial, mm-hmm. but also that, you know, I, I've just kind of learned best practice about how to do things. You, you you know, you get an offer letter and the first thing it says is, is, you know, fantastic, welcome, you know, you've been selected or, Mm. you know, to to come and join us. And it's Mm. just the the warmth behind the way that they do business Mm. uh, has just just really, really, um, really struck me. Um, And it's just, it was a fantastic place as well, working in mobile, um, you know, uh, in the late 2000s, it's a very exciting uh, time as as mobile Mm. was really at four, of, of sort of technology at that point sure. and you know the the iphone was beginning to change things materially uh, and it really sort of set set the seeds into kind of what what we're seeing and what what the work i'm doing for for kind of today mm. um but yeah and, and the parties were were um, fantastic <laughs> I can it, was imagine. Really, it was a great place to work on right. i thoroughly enjoyed the time there. did you ever get, get to go to necker island or uh, one of the yeah, islands yeah, that yeah, yeah. no 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 i was never quite as no. privileged as that i think okay. uh, the best invite I had was to V Festival in Essex. Right. But, um, <laughs> Close. <laughs> it was it was VIP, so yeah. I'll take that. All right. I'll take that. Sure. So SI Partners are a growth consultancy, uh, but you also help with transactions as well for, for your clients. So typically you're working with owner-managed agencies between 50 and 100 people. Tell us a little bit about the problems that you typically help for your clients, solve for your clients. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's very much two sides to our business. Um, we are uh, we have a consultancy practice and a corporate finance practice. Um, you know, so two sides of the coin, but they're completely symbiotic, and it, and it's all centered around how do I help entrepreneurs drive growth within their business, um, and often that's around sort of commercial development of what they're doing. Um, often it's around you know solving solving problems and growing planes. Um, and some of those can be around, okay, what does the future hold for me? How do I, how do I continue my journey on and, and keep this boat, you know, as I'm, as I'm scaling my business? Um, and, and often there's a point at which people look to, um, to, to find a growth partner and continue, continue that, mm. uh, that journey for them. So, uh, and so we've got quite a rounded, a rounded practice in that sense. Um, you know, it's very much the, the, the history and ethos of our business is um, from, you know, two entrepreneurs that had a dot-com in the 90s. Uh, built a business, about to float it, had to unwind a business. Um, so, so that, that entrepreneurialism is very much at the heart of what we do. Mm. Um, it's what we get we get really excited about. Okay. When we spoke a, a couple of weeks ago, you said that there are two kinds of businesses that you typically help. One are the agencies that are sort of stuck around the five million turnover mark, and they don't really know where to go next. Uh, and the second group of people are those that realize they've actually built something quite significant now after 10 or 15 years in the agency mm. world. But they're wondering what to do next. They don't really know what the market looks like or sort of what the competitors are doing and sort of, uh, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so, particularly for our consulting our consulting practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often we get asked sort of more, much more specific corporate finance questions but um, in sort of M&A and sales process. But, you know, it's definitely consulting. I, there are agencies have a, a couple of points in their life where you know sort of junctures where they they kind of get the, the sort of problems arise and one of it is around that that five million turnover mm-hmm. you know you've probably about 50 people at this point in time mm-hmm. the the founder if particularly where there's a singular founder or a singular sales-led founder um you know suddenly finding that they can't touch everything in the organization you know, they need to build the management team around them to, to kind of allow them to get to, to kind of get onto the next stage. They need to develop their sales network beyond, you know, from your black book will take mm. you 
so far and it's like okay how do i then what's my next black book or what's you know how, how do i keep keep the momentum going and and, it, and there's various hurdles that, that people need to need to do and like i said a lot of it can be around management teams and organization mm. and uh, and just ensuring that you know you, you have to move from the the entrepreneurial feel of i kind of understand everything that's going on to actually i'm a little bit out of control sure. here and i need to implement things like cultures and values and you know to make sure that everybody's on the same page and mm. heading in the same direction and and and, and a, a lot of what's in the entrepreneur's head is then sort of communicate within the business and mm. and so it's a great time for us to to get involved and help people push through that and push on really interesting and, uh, and then secondly yeah you're, you're right you know the people are realize they've, they've built something but wondering what to do now you you kind of I, I like to think of it as 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 you're building a business you're you know it's so intense you're quite head down you're quite you know, looking into the business and looking at your clients and, you know, focusing on that. And then sometimes you get a moment when you, you, you pause and look up, you know, sometimes it's when a competitor gets bought or, you know, a life event, uh, you know, you, you may have had some children or, or, or you know, you're kind of thinking, oh, actually, hang on, there's, there's quite a bit of value in this mm -hmm. now. You know, some, you know, someone's made an offer for me. Mm -hmm. and, oh, okay. I didn't realize that, sure. that that was even on the cards. Okay. And, and you're starting to think, actually, I don't know anything about that world, no. uh, about kind of what my options are. Mm. You know, you know, fundamentally, you, could, you know, things like MBOs and, mm -hmm. you know, M&A. There's lots of acronyms yeah. out there. But, but, but what does that understanding mean what, what does that mean? For yeah, my business exactly. right now. Yeah, yeah, for me, for my business, my shareholders, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and how do I take control of that process? How do I be in charge of, of doing that? Um, uh, yeah, very, very, very great point for us to start to talk to people okay. um, and help them through that that journey so you talked about the importance of building a management team and that sort of that might be uh one of the tiers where agencies struggle they get to like 50 people or 5 million mm -hmm. turnover and they need to start working on the business and not in the business and one mm. of the important parts there is actually building a, a a good sort of management team so take us through that then you know what are the components of of an outstanding management or leadership team in your experience from all the agencies you work with yeah I, I think it's not um it's not always as simple as uh just you know kind of what are the what are the things that you need within a within a sort of management you know team as terms of personality types actually it's all about um communication mm -hmm. in, in my mind it's about uh understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses and relative strengths and weaknesses in 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 the business um being aware of your in your own individual strengths and weaknesses and and uh and then understanding how to communicate to people because you're starting to work together as a team and you may have quite disparate skills you may have people that have spent all their lives in technology people that spent all their lives in sales um spent all their lives in operation and you know these could be quite different personality types mm -hmm. and actually trying to get them all to work together um is 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 where the sort of the in, where it becomes very interesting and where kind of the magic happens um and so much of that as i said is, is around um communication and understanding um uh, because the, the parts of the the management team are you know driven and how you structure management teams driven by the people around you um so you know often as well it's you know we try and think about okay who, who within the business have you got that that needs to be brought through um, you know, some of the talent and the management team in your business not necessarily aren't the people with the most senior jobs. It's mm. actually who else is in the organization do you need to, to who are going to be the, you know, the leaders of tomorrow and, mm. and how do you kind of bring them, them forward and, mm. and, and give them the opportunities. Mm. And sometimes it's having to make some tough decisions as well. You know, you, you've, um, uh, loyalty is, is, is such an important part, uh, 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 uh important factor in business. Um, and, uh, but but sometimes there are you know d tough decisions to make around you know kind of getting the right people in the right seats mm -hmm. and sometimes the, the people that start the journey with you um, aren't always the people to to continue that that journey and um, you know we look a lot around culture and values and and helping people make the right decisions mm -hmm. and you know for for all the parties concerned about 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 uh, yeah like I say making those tough decisions to to get the team right mm. um, to to allow you continue growth. So is that the starting point then? Focusing on your core values and your and your vision, and then hiring against those values to get the people get the right people in the right seats on the bus going in the, in the right direction. Is that the it, starting it, point? It, it is absolutely the starting point. Mm. Uh, you know whether we're working with startups or established businesses, 
um, you know, your culture and your values, your, your mission statement or, you know, your, your, you know, your, where you want to head to is, is, is a great guiding light, but actually it's your culture and your values that allow you to deliver that. Hmm. Um, you know, if you're scaling quickly, hiring against culture and values is just essential, um, you know, because that's what allows you to, to keep the business true to itself. Um, but as I said, sometimes the most important way to, um, to use your culture and values is, is decision making in the business. Um, and, and for our business, we, we use it a lot. Uh, we come back to our culture and values about, about how we're, uh, you know, uh, what, when, when we're trying to decide and it, because businesses have tricky decisions to make, um, mm. and you, and you need to have a fresh structure and a framework to do it. Mm. So you talked a little bit about the fact that agencies, some agencies that you've worked with have built the business to a certain size, um, but they've been so head down in, in the agency world that they haven't really thought about sort of, you know, if I am approached by a potential buyer, what, what's my response going to be and what, what are my options? Mm. We talked in the interview of some of the work that some of the deals that you completed, the sale of uh, What If to Accenture, the sale of mm. Friday to PA Consulting. Take us through some of the deals that you're most proud of and then talk us through what the typical process is from sort of you know inception from from start to finish really could you just take us through sort of what that looks like yeah sure uh two big questions <laughs> uh, i'll start with i'll start with the first one so stuff you know deals that we're really proud of i mean look what excites us and and, and me us as a business and me and me individually is is working with people and and uh over a prolonged period of time and then helping them on their on their journey and going on their journey with them and uh, you know, one I would talk about is uh, Market Gravity. I think you mentioned it in the intro. Mm. You know, we started working with them 18 months before something happened. But the question that, that we got posed was, you know, the, the structure and the way that we approach the business is very much focused on the now and the short term. And I've got some great people, but everyone's a bit hand to mouth in how they think about the business. Um, how do I create a much longer term vision? How do I bring... The, you know the real talent in the organization on board and get them focused on on kind of you know driving the value of the organization rather than sometimes you know kind of the value for themselves and so actually we went on an exercise to you know change people's perceptions to change people's um, um focus and, and attention um and did a great project with them got to know the founders really well and then just sort of stayed in touch and um you know kept with them um as they're going through some of the some of the some of the bumps in the road of their business um and actually started to help them think about okay you know they could see where the market's shifting um we need to be making some building some relationships so we you know help them through that kind of journey of like identifying the right people to talk to how do you um how do you uh, kind of keep those conversations alive um and, and dedicate the right amount of attention to it whilst growing your business hmm. uh to the point so you know 18 months later roll forward and you know um deloitte came knocking and said look i think the time's about right for us uh, and really interesting deal in the sense that the conversation around price was i have to say done in a very short amount of time hmm. pretty much the whole uh whole of the negotiations or 80 percent of the negotiations was around people and what does that mean yeah so just understanding how do we get the right um how do we get the right um, experience for our people going into an organization how do we deal with the fact that you've you know we often refer to it as the cultural dilemma you, you know you want to go and buy a very entrepreneurial business with some very creative commercial talent that's within it and you want to put it into a company which is fundamentally accountants mm. who have a kind of a structure of you know it, either you're going to be a partner or actually it's probably not the right place for you um, which is a bit of a generalization mm -hmm. but there's kind of that there versus a company that goes well i've got a team of designers who actually they don't want to be anything other than a designer you know sure. that's what they get out of bed for in the morning sure. that's what they love mm. so how do you literally take you know a, a an hr function that's built around up and out up and out up and out and one that goes just about doing great work interesting work opportunity and you know kind of and actually trying to build you know amalgamate those two 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 businesses and and put the protections around 
what we were selling as well as you know giving the benefits to the buyer of 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 the integration of of, of the two businesses together um yeah was was like i say the, the the biggest part of the conversation and a fascinating conversation too Let, let's talk a little bit about the m a landscape because you mentioned deloitte that bought um mm. the previous agency uh gravity you mentioned market gravity yeah uh, market yeah. gravity so so we've seen increased activity m a activity in the last few years from ey accenture and deloitte um i think accenture acquired 15 yeah. agencies was it last year the year before um yeah, so yeah, they've yeah. been on it's a sort of a, a massive uh, sort of acquisition hunt what, so what's the strategy behind that from the from the consultancies why are they doing this yeah okay cool i mean yeah to take a step back of you know we've been doing this this job for 20 years as a business and you know even 10 years ago we probably had about 50 people that we talked to if someone said you know we want to sell a business and now we've got 500 people we talk to and you know fundamentally the difference is the digital and then the data revolution um large companies are struggling to to digitalize their their businesses and you know what what we've seen is as emergence of new technologies has moved um the the spend within large corporations from what everything that would be within the cto's realm Mm -hmm. to huge amount that sits within the CMO's the CMO, realm, right? Yeah, and and actually in between, so you've got the CMO and you've got the you know kind of a CDO, chief digital mm-hmm. officer. So you've now got technology, which is the underpinnings of the business, mm-hmm. and that's where people like Accenture used to do. They we just you talk to technology, we do enterprise-led stock systems and you know logistics and and then kind of all the other great stuff there. Suddenly the marketeers are going. Actually, I need to do digital marketing. I need to build websites, mm-hmm. and then you've got this sort of in the middle going i need to build digital products and services mm-hmm. you know uh, my lunch is getting eaten by startup banks by you know facebook or google sure. whoever you, whoever it sure. is and so as the, the, the money is washing around that that team so actually the people that that used to come from the marketing team are going wow if we don't digitalize we're going to lose a huge amount of revenue mm-hmm. and anyone that's coming from the technology perspective and having technologists as their as their their key point of um, contact on the board so accenture are going there's you know half the marketing half the technology in inverted commas budget is now actually with with the marketing team or with chief product, right. you know, product design yeah now you know ultimately it integrates back into your core systems mm-hmm. that that you know they've sold for years and years and years mm-hmm. um so you you've got the excuse me <clears throat> you've got anyone that wants a marketing budget anyone wants a technology budget are all trying to get in the, in between people are acknowledging that both of those businesses are quite historic some of them are quite broken um you know people at wbp have well documented the problems they've had they're having so they're going right let's just build start up and build new emerging yeah. groups you know and that's a lot of money a lot of private equity money is flooding mm. into that to, to to build these teams that can all converge around um you know trying to get the, these new budgets and it's just uh because of the the growth you know it's fundamentally such a high growth market mm. that that everybody wants wants to have a a, a piece of the action um which has been really exciting mm. uh and, and and fascinating as people are kind of calling into question how far some of these businesses will go i mean you speak about accenture you know accenture are to me in in particular if you think about the marcoms world wpp has driven the market for the last you know sure. for the first five years of this century and yeah. uh of this decade sorry not this century but certainly well you could argue both <laughs> accenture is the new wpp mm. for me it's really, really pushing boundaries in the way wpp did of people going wow why, why are they doing that mm. you know the, the the acquisition of karma armor and more latterly the acquisition of droga 5 is you know that's pure creative mm um n- none of the other technologists that you know are looking at this and going wow what what quite what are they doing um you know it, it's you get pockets of it ibm has uh, bought you know some creative stuff in germany um i know a handful of other businesses that are all looking over their shoulder going wow we want to get into this space mm. but they are looking at creative digital performance marketing mm. you know that, that kind of like there's a, some gateway drugs into this uh, into sort of creativity but no one's gone quite as far and as deep as, as Accenture and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next because they've got a smorgasbord of businesses that they've got to do something with and stitching all that together in mm. a really cohesive office offer is 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 not going to be easy mm. um, I think that there'll be some casualties along the way mm. but 
they've got the right idea and you know i really think that they will they it's going to be tough but i think they've got the chance to come out on top and stay there really interesting it's all about improving that digital transformation agenda for for their clients because as you said it's accessing the cmo's budget the it directors budget and the and the cdo as well so it's really about that digital transformation um agenda which is quite quite fascinating so so despite global risk factors like US and China relations mm. and Brexit, uh, mm. there doesn't really seem to be much of an effect on M&A. You know, we've seen in the last two or three years, and, and you've said recently with Accenture and uh, the other consultancies, the, all the acquisitions that they're mm. making, it doesn't really seem to have slowed what they're doing. From what I understand, though, buyers are not really looking to acquire those service-led businesses. They're, they're looking to instead those sort of tech-enabled businesses um, although you did say a moment ago, Droga Five and, and Kamarama, uh, Kam- Kamarama, <laughs> I can never say <laughs> yeah, that. Too many right. too many that they're more sort of creatively led. So is that true? Are buyers more interested in the sort of the tech-enabled businesses to access IT budgets, or are they looking at creative ideas-led businesses as well? Um, at the moment, there is it's kind of a bit of a polarization in terms of um, the service-led businesses are people want the real consulting layer. So, you know, the people that are, you know, sort of data architecture, systems architecture, systems implementation, mm-hmm. people that really, because you're right, all of these these kind of tech businesses and sales forces, you know, certainly one of those that, you know, B2B uh, superstar of a, of, a, of a business at the moment. But, but, you know, all of these consultancies are going, that's great, we don't want to own the technology because we want to own the ear of the CEO, but we want to be able to implement that technology. Hmm. So anyone that can really is successful in that, in that field is, 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 you know, you know, who kind of the, the, the human brains behind it, that really understand it is great because the off the shelf systems are like, you know, they never, they're never going to be completely bespoke for, you know, work perfect for everyone. So the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you need the people to, to be able to, to implement this stuff. And I, I think that, that those, that element of service led business is definitely there, but um, you do get a different set of buyers that are looking at technology. Um, and you know whether it's in the marketing space or, you know, I was talking to a, a, an engineering design business, um, and there's some huge players, um, SaaS businesses, software as a services businesses out there that that are um, that are just aggregating um, and, and trying to create you know global dominance. There's a there's a real race to the bottom of you know, they're so scalable, these businesses mm. that you've just got to go out and buy, buy geographies and, and bolt-ons and mm. just create as bigger audience and as sticky as an audience as, as, as possible. Um, so it's fascinating to see how, you know, people like Microsoft Azure and, and Amazon Web Services mm. are really fighting over cloud computing, for example, um, and the kind of the fallout from that. Mm. Um, so no, it's, it, it, I, I would say actually the, the M&A market is just, so hot because of the strategic need to to make our lives digital Mm. um and and i still think there's a lot of runway in doing that Hmm. quite quite fascinating well let's kind of explain for people what the actual landscape looks like because i've got a list here of sort of six groups of buyers that have been quite active recently um Mm. and this might actually help to kind of frame it in people's minds as to kind of what the lay of the land looks like and just let me know whether or not this is right so from what I understand, you've got private equity buyers, you've got Marcom's groups like WPP and Omnicom, mm. you've got the consultancies like Accenture, Deloitte, IBM, Bain, mm. McKinsey, etc. You've got indie buyers, which I'm not quite sure what, that, mm. what, what who they are, but it'd be great for you to sort of break yeah. that down for us. Then you've got the geography-led buyers, so uh, indus- uh, businesses in Asia, just with huge cash reserves that are looking to sort of acquire businesses yeah. over here. And then you've got these, um, as you mentioned, enterprise platform buyers, Marketo, Adobe, Salesforce, Amazon, etc. cetera. Mm. So is that a fair assessment of the landscape? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And if we talk about it, particularly from an agency perspective, mm. that, that's absolutely the, 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 the landscape to be talking about. Mm. I mean, um, I'll pick them off one by one. I mean, the private equity uh, buyers are, I guess a few years ago, perhaps something we wouldn't have been talking as much about. Mm. Um, but the private equity has been uh, finding it harder and harder to deploy the amount of capital they had. Um, 
you know, the successes of people like PayPal and stuff like that has, has basically spawned an entire, you know, private equity industry. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's almost too much money in it and they're trying to work out where to place it. Um, and there's some, you know, really interesting assets in the in the sort of agency world. And to be honest, some of the assets that find it harder to, 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 to that are less digital that are actually going into this space and looking at private equity. Hmm. Um, so we're seeing more and more of private equity doing digital and non-digital digital kind of deals to um to really kind of scale their businesses and and you know the, the, they're all you know predominantly they they look at this m a market and they're going it's just so active mm. so you know if i they're as worried about getting their money out as putting their money in mm. um so you're seeing it at both ends of the market whether they're investing you know 10 20 30 million at the bottom end um to you know the really big guys putting in 250 million plus and you know buying people like axel springer or um, backing some of the big groups so private equity is very much there and and i think actually is going to be a, a much bigger theme going forward for hmm. for a multitude of reasons hmm. the marcoms groups you talk about yeah the the, the holding companies are WPP, WPP and Omnicom, Omnicom, yeah, yeah. In, in terms of the beginning of the year the first half of the year i mean they're actually i don't think those two have bought anything oh, but right. you know yeah weirdly like i said wpp historically very very active for where they're very well documented the troubles they're, they're having um but uh you know normally com are, are, are find it hard to buy businesses sometimes hmm. but you've got people like ipg that's been very active in, hmm. in a few years really trying to catch up um you've got uh Dentsu that's been incredibly active hmm. as they're trying to build out their, their global play um and, and these guys are all trying to they're seeing that the access again if i go back to access to c-suite is the way that it makes most sense to me is you know the, the above the line advertising you know your tv slots and your, your strategy there was really commanded the year of the cmo and, and the ceo um and that's just just lost its shine hmm. um and, and you know these businesses were predicated upon being the best creative shops and then selling the media off the back of it. Mm. Suddenly they realize that, that that whole world is, you know, all the digital media is being questioned, but also they, they no longer really have access to the C-suite in the way that they need to. So they are, they're a little, a little bit broken, those mm. models, and they're all trying to, they're all trying to modernize and, and develop what, what, what they do. Mm. So they're, they're out there in force. But the next group you mentioned is, is the, is really interesting. The consultancies, mm. um, I, I find this uh, these groups often really talked about in terms of one amorphous bunch, and actually there's quite a bit of difference in there. So Accenture, um, Deloitte, Bain, McKinsey, those guys. Yeah, but yeah. but it, but you, you've got to really look at where people come from um, to to kind of what their objectives are, because mm. so you know let's take exactly you know there's three groups within here. There's technology consulting. There's uh, there's sort of pure management consultancies or the you know top tier management consultancies mm -hmm. and then you've got the accountants mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. who have kind of developed consulting practices mm -hmm. so they've all come from you know one comes from very cerebral you know bain mckinsey bcg mm -hmm. one is technology accenture um hcl wipro um and then the other is the accountants, accountants Deloitte, like, yeah um ey pwc mm -hmm. um and so you've got actually got three distinct groups. So the, it, it's and a lot of it is the technology consultancies that are driving so much of this. It's Accenture and their competitive set, and their competitive set are a lot from India and South America. They're, they're often from low low um, cost base um, um, countries sure. that, that used to be the BPO. Um, and as I said, you know they are seeing that where they used to get all of their, their budgets, they're really trying to trying to get into the CMO and get into the consulting layer rather than being quite sort of commoditized. Um, and really trying to develop that that aspect of the business. Now the the management consultancies. Um, so you've got Bain in there, McKinsey and BCG. Mm -hmm. They um, they're kind of looking around. Now they're they're a lot more conservative as buyers. They they are often partnership structures. Partnerships are much harder to to buy businesses because actually you know partnerships want to take all the profits and give them to the partners every year. They mm -hmm. don't have a CEO with a single point of direction. So you've got to ask all your partners if if this is something you want to sure. do. So they're they don't actually have the same uh, the same ability to buy um, as as do the technology consultancies. They've got CEOs and right. they've got because you know decision making is, is democratized yeah, a little bit more. Got, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, completely decision making mm. democratized. So they are they're looking for sort of smaller bolt-ons um, and sort of developments of their offer. But you know th these guys are 
if an average agency, you know, has a revenue per head of 100 grand, these guys have got 200 grand revenue per head, you know, so they've got some really deep thinking people and they're looking for people that look like them. So it's quite hard for them to buy. But on the accountants, on the other hand, are kind of, they're slightly confused about who they are because they want to do consulting and they, but actually fundamentally they are, you know, they're, they're bean counters, as says, says one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and they're hamstrung by their ability to, to audit. Now, Deloitte has stepped out of the shadows because of all the top, mm. top four accounting firms, if you go to any banking audit, they can't be forced, or the other three can all be forced to pitch for a banking audit. But Deloitte go, actually, we can't do banking audits, so sorry. So suddenly the entire financial services industry, which is a huge market mm. in London, but also for, for you know, digital development, digital transformation, is suddenly open to them. And then part, part because of that and partly because they never sold off their practice in the early 2000s, right. Deloitte have really risen and you know been so adventurous in the way of branding as Deloitte Digital to actually kind of rise up above and, uh, and position themselves alongside Accenture. But they've all got very different flavors sure. to them where they come from. And people talk about them in one, in one kind yeah. of one country. But, but you know, there's really quite, quite a lot of depth. Yeah, really, really interesting. interesting. But then, you, so then you think about the indie buyers. Yeah, who are these, they? Yeah, so the indie buyers. I mean, look, there's historically there's always been a tier, second tier of of Marcom's agencies. Um, you know, people like the Mission Group and uh, Engine and what's now called Unlimited. Um, but uh, you've got people that have have sort of got other strategies that have come to the fore so people like next 15 is one of the most active buyers out there that's you know sweeping up we sell b2b agency to them a uh, uh, company, company called velocity um but some really interesting companies come out of the u.s so i mean look, velocity the, the partners most... doug doug kessler from yeah doug right. kessler yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. stanwoods yeah 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 great great, mm, great, great guys uh, yeah and sold them to next 15 who are a great mm. buyer a um, really really great buyer um but then you've got uh, the uh, yeah so, so so you you know you the indie buyers has now been supercharged by by private equity so you get people like um, Stagwell uh, in the US and uh, you and Mr Jones which is um, David Jones who's ex Avas um, you know and they've got huge war chests and are, and are buying things like you know MDC Partners which was a listed business out mm. in the US um, you know and and they're just going on a march creating creating new groups you know and and Sir Martin Sorrell. Um, he, he's obviously you know, one of the more obvious people in mm. there with S1 and what he's trying to do with mm. Media Monks, City Hive, uh, and all the small businesses they're, they're buying in and around those. Um, you know, he, he needs to he needs some more marquee acquisitions out there to, to drive it. So there's a group of really dynamic people that are kind of coming into this space, whereas the consultancies have probably got a bit of indigestion. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're trying to deal with all the acquisitions they've already made. Yeah, and from an entrepreneur's perspective, they're kind of going, oh, okay, that's you know, that's been the exciting story yeah. of the last you know, two or three, you know, five years. Um, Marcom's groups have kind of bit lost their shine. People are like going, really, you know, and and the kind of selling to WPP isn't exciting. Um, but these indie buyers, I think, is a really, really, really great group, um, and I and I think they are, you know, along with PE, they're the ones that I think we're going to going to create more opportunity um, sort of going forward. And, and and I kind of add into that Asia, so you then. You know, going to your next point about yeah, geographies. Yeah. Yeah, so age is really interesting because um, in some ways they're so much more advanced than we are. Okay. You know, you want to talk about mobile commerce and you go to China. Right. And, you know, they are just way ahead. ahead. Yeah, we, way ahead. What WeChat is doing at the moment with oh. for everything to do with yeah. your life. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it absolutely. Is. And, you know, but... Uh, now China's quite hard to get money out. I mean, we we actually helped a Chinese business buy a London business recently, mm. but you know the capital controls there are getting tighter, and you're seeing some people split their businesses up so they can have different access to capital, like Blue Focus did. But you know that side, you take pockets of of businesses that are based in all kinds of other geographies, like Singapore, Korea, Japan. Mm. Um, you know, and and each one of those has got you know two or three real conglomerates or big businesses, and and they're all sniffing around the west um and and sniffing around whether it's us or whether it's uk for what reason uh, because they, they're all looking for um sort of global well there's a couple of reasons they they, they want to be global mm -hmm. um uh, but i think they are they they kind of see um particularly on the strategic thought side um that's so that consulting layer um, so whereas technology, in some ways, they're they're what, kind of they're advanced. They might not look over here for that consulting layer. Sure. Um, they they will still look over here. Right. 
um, you know, and and just just geographical expansion of the, of their business. Mm. But you know, these are often family-owned businesses. They think in generations rather than sort of two or three-year sure. business cycles. I mean, we've seen a deal that was like a you know over ten years to buy a business, and we're like, uh, no, that's not that's not kind of how it works. <laughs> they maybe think two, three, a lot more long five. term. Yeah, they just think long term. So yeah. they have their challenges, but um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've got a, a practice out in in Asia and. Um, there's a lot that's going on there, both in in within Asia and, as I said, yeah. you know, kind of people getting money out of it as well. Okay, so, I assume they're a little bit more cash rich than potentially some of the other groups that we've talked about. So maybe a, an agency's head might be turned by what they're potentially offering uh, from a financial point of view. But I guess maybe they have less IP around. Actually, you know, I guess the agency feels less. Um, certain about what their the vision hardest, is for their for the agency. Yeah, maybe. I think the hardest thing is cultural. Okay. So um, Asian buyers will look for someone that's had exposure to Asia because they understand that they are just they just are differences. Mm. Um, so if you look at say Hakahodo, who's you know one of the they're the big competitor of Dentsu in Japan and mm. um, the two big advertising groups over there. Hakahodo's strategy to to expand overseas was was to go and buy a. a uh, what's has he's often been described as a rock star CEO in Michael Birkin and his business Red Peak in the US, mm. and then go right, Michael, you know you at Omnicom you built you built businesses, you know you did an M, worked in M and A and built um, uh, groups of businesses. Can you go and be our mouthpiece, please, um, in the US and in you know in, in other markets and mm. develop the business? You know, Dentsu did it with with uh, with buying Aegis. Um, so, you know, and, and there's businesses like Pico that have done the same and. So various, yeah, they, they kind of acknowledge actually they, they need a person on the ground in different markets um, to, to kind of help them decipher and translate and, and, and kind of get, get M&A right. But, yeah, I, I really do think that particularly if capital controls in China get, get kind of slackened off, I think there's going to be more opportunity. Hmm. Quite fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about selling your business and sort of what that looks like for the actual founder. Um, we know that selling your business is tough emotionally. Um, it's also hard on your business and your work stream while the sale is, is going through. So mm. it requires a lot of skill sets from investors, uh, legal advisors, internal teams, etc. Describe what the typical sort of sales process, sale process looks like and how do founders best prepare themselves for it? Okay, cool. So, you know, a, a typical sale process is... Um, I, you know, you can have two ways, whether you're on market or off market. So, you know, actually what we encourage people to do now is to do is to think about it as very much being off market. What does that mean? And so it's not, you know, kind of going out there and going, I've got a business for sale. Who'd like to buy it? Uh, you know, there's an auction process sure. actually is not the way that okay. a, you know, people want to sell their businesses um, because, you know, or, or the way more importantly, that people want to buy businesses. Mm. So much is about cultural alignment and you know understanding and synergies. Um, the consultancies quite often have a try before they buy kind of policy. They like to work with people before before they they buy stuff um, because it's strategic for them. It's not a kind of oh great you can be you can sit over there and be independent within my group like WPP used to do. Actually, mm. this is about how how you're going to come on board, how you're going to create you know downstream revenue um, opportunities for for my business. Um, so actually, it's it's um, it's more about you know so in terms of preparing um it's far more about just building a great business and not building for sale hmm. um you know so how do you build the those right relationships in the right places and have those right conversations hmm. that such that actually at, at the point in time you're thinking either you've received an offer or you go actually the timing's right for me right. you're phoning up people that you know to say hmm. you know those great conversations we have please, can you come and talk to SI partners? Sure. Because actually, I think it's now the right time. Mm. But the biggest hurdle in any any acquisition is is that is getting to know someone, right? Um, all the financials, that's the easy bit. Actually, do I know and trust you? Right. And if you can the accelerate that. And, yeah, exactly. And mm. understand that, then that's then that's, that's hugely important. Mm. Um, so, you know, the process is, first of all, you've, you know, just to, to give you a bit of a bit of the, um, the kind of uh, the, the way, the lineage, if you like, of how it works yeah. is, you know, you, you, you've got you get some buyers interested whether you do that on market off market or, or however you want to do it both can be very effective mm. um 
then you uh, you know you're real driving towards a lot of chemistry meetings a lot of discussions you're starting to share information um, you know that you're sort of driving people towards um, trying to make an offer or, or, or what we call a, a letter of intent not legally binding but you you know kind of really getting the commercials understood um, having the you know the big interesting conversations um, and you know at that point is you know once you sign that letter of intent it allows you become exclusive with whichever buyer you want to want to go with and hmm. uh, but then it allows you to 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 kind of really invest and you start going through you know financial due diligence so really opening the kimono and showing everybody kind of what's and all what what, what the business has and hmm. um and also going through all the kind of legal legal agreements um i think that is you know i mean that's the fundamental process um but in terms of how to prepare you know as i said i think there's, there's three things to think about um first is you know build a great business don't don't try and build a business for sale if you if you think you're doing things that you think buyers would like um you know it's the wrong way around you should be doing things that you think your customers would like is is far more important now that said you know actually there are there's tweaks that you can make but you know fundamentally it's it's build a great business build a great business first yeah yeah you know there's there's quite a bit of um preparation that you can do so that there is uh a lot of almost like the homework on and the admin side of your business and, and, and tightening everything up. Um, and there is quite a bit you can do six to 12 months before you're thinking about stuff of getting in place all your share option agreements, making sure you've got your customer contracts, you know, almost making sure the performance is right, that you're, you know, you've got the, the right sort of uh, the P&Ls looking the way it should. So there is actually quite a bit of process. Right. Mean everything below the top line that you can, you can kind of sort out. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is worth thinking out before you go to sell because the worst thing you can mm-hmm. do is get in there and kind of actually there's a skeleton or something that you haven't sorted out right. um, you know and sometimes things can be too late particularly if you want to share value within your company if you go I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to give you know I don't know Jacqueline some some value because she's so important to the business um, and you realize that actually if you've got an offer on the table you can't do that at that point in time or certainly not efficiently um, so you need to start thinking you know there are some things to think about much earlier mm-hmm. um, to get it right and and I guess the, the last thing to do in terms of preparing is, is to what you said is um, it's emotional it, it's it's tougher than you think it's it's very much a full, full-time job and you need to make sure you get get the right team around you because most entrepreneurs will do this once um, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of want to get it right so yeah there, you do need a a team around you to kind of help you through it. Final question before we get into our favorite questions mm-hmm. towards the back end of the interview. When I was doing some research for this interview, I heard one of your clients, Happy Marketer, uh, say on a video, um, well, they were giving advice to other agencies that were going through a sale process. He said, sell on the offense because a buyer doesn't want a defensive acquisition. What does that mean? Yeah, I think it's, it's you want to, you always want to be selling from a position of strength. Mm. um you know and that's that's nearly always a you know position of growth you ideally you you know to my point about being on market versus off market you want people to come to you right and say i love what you're doing i'd love to i'd love to buy you um you know you want to be selling at the time when you go i'm only halfway through my growth plan um why why am i selling now um love the idea of it but you know you've got to make this interesting for me um Mm. and actually you've got that narrative of saying well I've done three things out of out of ten. Um, I've got a great trajectory. I've got a great narrative about where I want to go. You know, you, you're. It's not kind of going. I've run out of steam. Um, I need to offload this now uh, <laughs> because mm. I want to leave the business. I want to walk away mm. from it. You know that mm. they're all situations where actually, you know, we probably can't help people in, in, in sure. that, at that point in time. It's all a bit too late. So right. you've got to be, you know, almost the time when you're. Well, it's going as when well you're as not it ready. possibly be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's going as well as possibly be. You're enjoying it yeah. as much as you possibly can. Sure, Probably sure. about the time to start thinking about right. how do I get out of this business while, okay. while the going is good. That's the that's the time to leave a party as well. Like leave a party when it's when it's really really good. You don't want to be the last one to leave a party. Exactly. So quite, exactly. Quite similar advice. Really interesting. Okay, well, let's get into everyone's favorite questions now. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm really interested to ask you some of them as well. I'll pick some of these at random and fire them at you. Sure. Um, tell us about a time when you failed and what okay. you learned from the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great question. Um, mm. Do you know, I was working for a PLC, uh, FTSE, FTSE 100 PLC, 
and um, I was doing a piece of work directly for the, the CEO. And, you know, kind of probably my first piece of work I was doing with the CEO, I was a bit, you know, a little bit on the junior side, I thought, um, to do it. I was really, really proud to be asked to do it. And, um, you know, I thought, I thought I'd answered the question, um, but not realizing I'd answered the bit of the brief that I thought was mine, but I think he'd expected me to have a slightly wider brief. Um, and kind of, you know, it all transpired that, you know, kind of sort of, it was all internal, so it was fine, mm, but, mm. you know, kind of didn't quite, didn't quite meet his expectations. Right. Um, and it was Friday and it's, you know, it's the worst time something can go sure. on a Friday night. You're yeah. like, oh my goodness. Because you've got the whole weekend to like, sweat about weekend. it. <laughs> and what if I don't? Yeah. Half past four on a Friday, the CEO, after like, we'd had this meeting in the morning with the board, right. half past five or half past four, the, the uh, CEO phones me up and he just absolutely oh, tore no. into me. Oh my God. And I'm just, I'm just kind of going, oh my God, like this weekend's going to be yeah. awful. And then yeah. end of it and he said, right, Joe, that's it. I've said my piece. Let's put yeah. it under the carpet and let's move on. And I was Brilliant. like, wow. I just thought that's such a way of handling it. It's just to really? go, look, I'm really upset with you. Yeah. You really let me down. This is why you've let me down. This is what you've yeah. done wrong. Um, but that's done. And let's move on. You know, I've, that's history for me now. Let's just go on to the next thing. And I was like, Brilliant. yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's something in that. Um, and, a, you know, kind of, I think we're all wonderfully imperfect at managing people, but yeah. um, kind of learned me a lesson about about how to, you know, you can't hold grudges in this world. You've you've just got to mm. you've got to you know sometimes you need to say something, but actually you then need to move on and and not let it affect things going forward. Well, that leads us nicely on to the next question about mentors. Then okay. tell us about who influenced the way that you think about M and A. Who who influenced the way that you think about uh sales and commerciality and growth business growth tell us about some of your favorite mentors uh okay cool uh i was going to give you an example so one of the things i thought about was actually a, a guy at uh pwc and he was he mm. was at a time in the early 2000s he was the most expensive partner per hour um oh. in within the, within the business what 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 rate per hour was he charging? at the time he's charging out a thousand pounds an hour which is okay. you know 15 years ago um uh, was pretty it's much a little, li little bit more than mine but uh okay. <laughs> yeah not by a lot oh, not by not much quid. yeah, yeah by right. a couple of quid uh, yeah but you know th this guy who was the high, like you know effectively the highest fee earner in the business um mm. would still be humble enough to to kind of sit down if you didn't understand something and i was quite junior at the time and he'd sit down and explain mm. it and take the time to make sure that his team were, were good and, 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 you know, were developing in, in the right way. But I think the biggest thing I, I took from him was, you know, we'd be in meetings in, you know, again, huge companies. Uh, and you'd walk in and a different M&A environment to the one we do now, there'd be like 15, 20 people around the table. Mm. And he would just sit and watch. And, you know, there are advisors upon advisors and, you know, everybody's trying to have their mouthpiece. And he would sit there and the phrase he used to tell me was just keep your powder dry, Joe. And he would just sit there and sit there and wait until exactly the right time. And he'd just come in with, you know, he'd be thinking about mm. what he's going to say and just come in with mm. his killer, his, his, his killer comment. And, his checkmate. Yeah. And just let the whole room turn around and go, all right, you haven't Who's said this guy. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> and how did you get to the answer so quickly? Uh, and I think there's a yeah. lot in that. I think keep your powder dry and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and kind of timing is, is everything and thinking things through. Hmm. Give us one more. Oh, that's, that's mean. I don't think I have a <laughs> there isn't. There isn't anyone else. I think I just will leave it. We'll leave yeah. it at, at, at okay. He was, he okay. was very cool. Awesome. Tell us about some of your favorite books. What do you read for personal professional development? Um, yeah. Cool. See, you know, I, I think there's some, uh, there's some great books out there. Um, you know, the one that, the, the one that we use in our business is, is really old that is called Good to Great um, by Brilliant. a guy called Jim Collins. Jim Collins, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think you, you, there's a lot of business books out there and a lot kind of, you know, regurgitate or, you know, reinvent new themes. And I think that a lot kind of comes back to to, to Jim Collins in, yeah. in my mind and I think a lot the, a lot of what he does. Um, yeah. The other one that I've, I think is really interesting, I'm, I'm just, it's on the bookshelf and, and I'm excited to start it, is about, is the OKRs book. 
Um, mm. um, the name escapes me, but I'm quite looking yeah, forward to goal tracking. Someone else on the podcast mentioned that recently. Yeah. So that's really good. I have some clients that are, that have, are using it really effectively. Uh, is, is, this, is the subtitle like measure what matters or something mm, like that's that? That's the one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. That's the one. Measure what yeah. matters. Um, so yeah, I think I think those books are. I am. Um, I'm looking forward to reading that because I think I think there seems to be something in it. Yeah, quite quite fascinating. Tell us about the book that either you keep coming back to time and time again over the course of your life, or that has had the single biggest impact on your career. Uh, I think it's a book about um, a book called Barbarians at the Gates. Um, okay. I don't know yeah. if you read it. It's another old, I've old tried. I've tried like <laughs> so many times. I just I can't do it. I just oh. It's just fascinating. Yeah. It's sort of you know it's a book. It's more for you guys AKR. than it is for me. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, going back into your original question, which was why did you mm. get into this? And I think probably mm. that book has had sort of quite an influence in it. I just felt that was exciting mm. uh, about kind of the way capital flows can have such a massive impact on businesses, sure. um, but also about doing the right thing as well. Yeah, that's the, for people that don't know, that's the management buyout with, um, well, the, the failure of um, R, RJR, what are they called? K KKR, they're buying, was it, is it Nabisco? Uh, Nabisco, right. Um, what are the biggest management buyouts in in history or the, yeah. the biggest uh, uh sort of fraud in history anyway um but yeah fascinating but i'm gonna have to just watch the movie i think i'm not gonna be able to like <laughs> get through the book but uh tell us about the most interesting thing people don't know about joe Hine. uh i used to have a world ranking at table football okay <laughs> all right so <laughs> what what ranking uh it wasn't that high admittedly yeah. But, but it's a world ranking. I was in the world ranking. I was. You I were was pretty in, good. I was there. You know, wow. The most important thing. Okay, you must have spent a lot of time on table football. Yeah, yeah, a lot of um, misspent holidays. Yeah, in, uh, yeah, in France, um, but, but thoroughly <laughs> enjoyable. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So instead of like sampling the wine and the cheese and the culture, you're playing table football. I'll be playing baby foot with the with the locals. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in the last three to five years, what behaviours, habits or ideas have you added or removed from your life that have improved your outcomes? Yeah, uh, I think there's, there's there's a few things. I think one is, um, is trust yourself and back yourself. Hmm. You know, it's it's your when you're doing something and your instinct tells you the way you should do it and, and you hold back for some reason. Hmm. um actually your your instinct isn't isn't gut your instinct is you know 40 odd years of life experience that sure. that that's telling you that that's the right answer um and actually thinking listen, fast and slow Dan, yeah daniel coleman had a, wrote a whole book on that yeah and so yeah. i think i think that's i think that's huge um hmm. and then i think that you know being honest you know trying to remove that fear of failure hmm. um you know, just just always be brave enough to to go after, to go after stuff, um, and, and and don't worry about it. And you know, failure is going to happen, but if you don't try hard enough, you never fail. So, a graduate or a young person comes to you and asks you for advice to get into the M and A world, the corporate M and A world, or the agency world. Uh, what advice do you give them? Uh, just be relevant and be useful sort of borrowed from Obama but it's just <laughs> it's so true love it you've just yeah. you've just got to be useful all the time if you're not being useful and um, mm. then you kind of and similarly for relevancy just find out what's what's really driving the market or driving the industry um you know clearly we've talked a lot about digital and you know you can take that into data and all kinds of exciting things that are doing now but, but really look at what's you know what's hot at the moment um you know m a is 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 a good way of seeing that but almost trying to read where where the great companies are are coming from and what's exciting in the industry and and, and just get involved in that um because that will just you know you, you're you gotta you gotta stay with it and not get left behind and my final question joe what is it you know about the world of media and m a today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career um i think just how important your network is um you know the people that you'll meet in your first job um 
will become the most important people you know when you're you know 20 30 years down the line um and actually just keeping building and maintaining your network at all times and you know networking sometimes has this sort of fear of oh my goodness i've got to go into a room and talk to people that i don't know absolutely not it's just staying in touch with everybody you ever work with and just you know be nice to everyone um because that's the way that you know that's going to guide you through your career hmm. joe thank you so much for doing this you're welcome thank you nathan we have been speaking with Joe Hine. He is currently a partner at SI Partners. I welcome your feedback, comments, and suggestions. Uh, we're not going to ask you to subscribe or leave a five-star rating or share this episode with a colleague because our thinking is if the content is any good, you'll willingly do that anyway. We'll leave that decision up to you. Email me, though, at nathan at agencydealmasters.com. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters.